invite you to turn in your Bibles to John's Gospel. Again, that's our chapter we're looking at this Christmas time, these Sundays of Advent. John chapter 1, that's on page 886 of your pew Bibles. And this morning we'll read, beginning with John 1 and reading through the ninth verse and especially focusing on verses 6 through 9 as we consider what it means to be a witness for Christ. But hear God's word, John chapter 1, verse 1. This is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand through the ages. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we we thank you uh, for the light of Christ. Thank you that that light shines in the darkness even the darkness of not only of your world, but in the darkness sometimes of our lives. Lord, thank you that that light gives us hope and strength and even joy. Uh, Father, pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would be shining uh, your light into our hearts uh, to bring that gospel illumination that we may hear your word and feed upon your word, and to share your word. We ask this all to your glory and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Even for those who have not been to New York City, you're still familiar with the famous Statue of Liberty. Actually, the full title is The Statue of Liberty Enlightening the World. It was a gift of friendship from the people of France uh, to the United States, recognized even today as a universal sign, symbol of freedom and democracy. Uh, The Statue of Liberty was dedicated October 28, 1886, and then designated as a national monument in 1924. Uh, Many striking features about the Statue of Liberty, but um, the one which to highlight today is the torch uh, that the Statue of Liberty holds in her extended right hand uh, for all to see today. It's not the original torch. You can see the original torch um, there on the ground, but the torch today is gilded with gold and lit by lights on the ground. Uh, This radiant landmark 
uh, still greets all of the president, president citizens of the United States uh, along with freedom-ready visitors. But here in John, uh, we behold a more glorious light and would invite you to turn in your Bibles or keep your Bibles open there to uh, that first chapter of John. Here we behold a more glorious light uh, than the gold torch on the Statue of Liberty. It's the true light of Christ, uh, which enlightens all men. Now, what makes this light more glorious? Christ did not Christ, our light, did not come just to light one city, one harbor, one country. He came to bring gospel hope for all classes of people, all nationalities, all genders, all ages. Uh, There is cause for great joy in John's gospel. Uh, But there's also a gracious call as well. And today we'll be looking at both truths that that cause for great joy and that gracious call. You know, for God still sends us as radiant witnesses for Christ, the true light. Well, what are the marks of a radiant witness for Christ? We're to be God's witnesses were to be gospel witnesses, verses 7 and 8, and finally genuine witnesses. It begins with that truth that we are to be God's witnesses. Look there at John chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man, or there came a man, sent from God, whose name was John. You know, here at the beginning, there there is a There is a connection but a contrast with the opening verses of John. Uh, Focusing on the contrast, Jesus always was God. John came into existence. John had an earthly mother, Elizabeth. John had an earthly father, Zechariah. You can read uh, probably the best gospel account about John's birth, life, and ministry is in uh, the gospel uh, of Luke. And just a a couple of quick highlights here. You remember when even the naming of John, uh, Luke 1, verse 11, uh, Zechariah is in the temple. We read this, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great uh, before the Lord. And and truly, John was a a great prophet, a great messenger uh, for for Christ. But there's a contrast here. As we looked at last week about Christ in, in those opening verses, we talked about Christ's Our scripture taught us about Christ's eternal existence, his faithful revelation, his intimate communion with God the Father, his full deity, his eternal equality with God, 
And Jesus as well was uncreated. He was the creator. And now we come upon John. The other thing that's striking here in John's account, he is never referred to as John the Baptist. It's always just John. And not the apostle John. This is the forerunner of Christ. Well, why only John? You know, the emphasis here is not on John's unconventional attire of camel's hair clothing. I believe, I think it's a vegan diet. John probably had the first vegan diet, locusts and wild honey. The emphasis is not on his prophetic call to prepare for the Lord, nor upon his sermons calling sinners to repentance, nor upon his ministry of baptism, even the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But the emphasis here is on John's call to be a witness for Christ. Later on in John 1, 29, It is John who announces the arrival of Christ. Look, we read in John 1, 29. You know, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is a man. There was a man sent from God. We know Jesus was fully God and fully man, but John was just a man. You know, what what does it mean uh, that that John was a man? He was created in God's image, true knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, as as our confession tells us. The law of God was written in his heart. You know, but, but he was a man born in sin. He was a descendant of the fallen Adam. Adam. He he was born in sin and he chose to sin. John was a man standing in need of God's saving grace in Christ. You know, at this point you might be restless and ready to say, well, preacher, is there any good news for us today? Yes, there is. You know, look look again at, at John chapter 1, still with that first verse. There was a man sent from God. You know, God not only sent us his son and our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God sent John uh, to be that forerunner, that, that prophet proclaiming Christ, preparing that way in the wilderness. You know, and, and so we can say John was chosen by God to humbly serve him. John was commissioned by God to be his witness. That was a prophecy even there in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, or 2 verse, Malachi 3 verse 1 had it right. Um, uh, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. John Calvin 
captured it this way in writing about John. John is God's chosen herald of divine grace. Now, what do we learn here? God uses his humble servants to be his witnesses for Christ. And it's not only here in John's gospel, but as you read through scriptures, you consider all the unlikely men and women you know, that God chooses to use to be his servants, his witnesses. Just to give you a sampling, righteous Lot, who lived in Sodom, Rahab the harlot, who, who lived in Jericho, was a, a servant, a witness for the Lord. Now moving to John's gospel, Nicodemus, the Pharisee. Uh, the Samaritan woman, the adulterous Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. And that, that portion concludes John 4 verse 39. After her encounter with Christ and Christ shares the gospel and I believe she comes to saving faith in Christ, we read this. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. You know, our merciful and mighty God who loves us in Christ still carries on his kingdom work of sending us out as his gospel messengers. And and you might be raising the objection, or I might be raising the objection. You know, I can't be a witness for Christ, you know. I'd still know about my garbage mound of sins. Maybe my family, friends know about that. You know, how can I be a witness for Christ? Well, well, two truths here. You know, first, it's forgiveness. You know, Christ has forgiven our sins, washed us, made us white, whiter than snow. But, But then faith. Faith is not in ourselves, not in our own good works, but our Faith that our gracious God uses us, redeemed sinners, uh, to be heralds of, of the gospel. We are to be God's witnesses, but we are to be gospel witnesses as well. Now looking at verses 7 and 8 of John 1. He, that is John, came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. That that was John's calling. You know, not, not to be a, a, a baptizer, but primarily here to be a witness for Christ. He came as a witness. John was obedient to God's gospel call. Could contrast him again with Jonah. You remember when Jonah received God's call to bring the gospel to Nineveh? What did Jonah do? He fled in the opposite direction. John is more like Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, who when he heard God's call said, Here am I, send me. John courageously came, obediently came, in order that he might be God's gospel witness. You know, what is a witness? We get the English word martyr, actually, from this Greek word for witness. 
A witness is one who gladly testifies to the truth about Christ and the gracious content of the gospel in faithfulness to God. A witness is one who gladly testifies to the truth about Christ and to the gracious content of the gospel and faithfulness to God. Or to put it more simply, a witness is a herald of God's saving love for us in Christ. Instead of calling John, John the Baptist, I believe here in John's gospel, we could call him John the Witness. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. He gave glad witness to the truth about Christ. Merrill Tenney puts it this way, as the word, that is, as Christ, as the word came to bring heavenly light to humanity, so John came to speak from a human level and to awaken people to their need of God's revelation. There there is a passion in, in John's witness. You know, he he didn't do it reluctantly. He he didn't do it under duress. You know, he he did it gladly, joyfully, you know, as on to the Lord. Why? So that all might believe through him. You know, how how does God share the good news of the gospel? He chooses to use you and me to be his witnesses. And and so it's not a question of, are we witnesses? It's a question of what kind of witnesses are we? Are are we joyful, glad, radiant witnesses for Christ as the light of Christ shines through us? Or are we poor witnesses for Christ? Stumbling witnesses for Christ. None of us is perfect, but God calls us to be his, his gracious witnesses, witnesses to Christ. You know, we're not trying to put ourselves on the pedestal. Christ is that torch. He is the one who is high and lifted up. When we were going through 1 Corinthians, and we'll return to that in the, in the new year, uh, but there was a verse there, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 22 and 23, thinking about being witnesses for Christ, we read 1 Corinthians 1, 22, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. We as God's gospel witnesses should passionately seek to be his faithful heralds. Why? So that hurting and hopeless sinners would repent of their sins and place their full trust in Christ, Son of God, Savior of sinners. You know, going back there to to John 1, verse 7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. You know, it's a word that might be easy to gloss over. Or, But what's scripture teaching us here when it uses the word all? Does this mean that all people will be saved? No. 
You know, this is not a universalism that's taught here. But it's reminding us that all classes of people will be saved. Rich, poor, young, old, black, white. People of all tribes and languages and nations will come to saving faith in Christ. Just to give a verse here from John to confirm that, John 6, verse 37, we read this, Jesus' own words, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. All those that God has chosen, called to saving faith in Christ, they will all be saved. And we are to be humbled heralds of that gospel. Look at verse 8. You know, still thinking about John as God's gospel witness. You have to appreciate, treasure that, that humility of John as God's servant. He, John, was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. Here scripture reminds us of the necessity of humility for gospel heralds. There should be no proud preachers, no swaggering Sunday school teachers, no big-headed Bible professors. You know, it's said that humility is not thinking little of yourself, it's not thinking of yourself at all. You know, was that that not the example of Christ? Philippians 2, who humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. John knew he was not the light. You know, think of it this way. John as a mirror. Or one Bible commentator put it this way. Think think of John as the moon. You know, the, the moon produces no light. Where does the light of the moon come from? reflected from the sun and that is what God calls us to be to to be a moon with all holy reverence uh, for the Lord to to reflect the light of the sun of righteousness one of the hymns that we just sang not one of the joyful ones, one of the more somber ones, let all mortal flesh keep silence, written in the 5th century, you know, so in the 400s, actually first written in Greek and then later translated into English, and it speaks there about the light of Christ. Some rich language here, but listen to uh, the one verse. Rank on rank, there it's a military image, rank on rank, the host of heaven spreads its vanguard on the way. Vanguard is that first line of attack on the way as the light of light descendeth. That's Christ, the light of light descendeth from the realms of endless day that the powers of hell may vanish as the darkness clears away. You know, God chooses to use you and me uh, to, to be his heralds. You know, we live in a dark world. 
You hardly need to turn on your television, look at internet news for a minute, and you see that. Our lost, dark world desperately needs the light of Christ. And there is no other light other than the light of Christ. You know, in this Christmas, I would challenge you, I would challenge myself uh, to bear witness about the light. At Christmas, many people put on, on the mask of being happy. You know, everything's fine, everything's great. While on the inside, struggling, sorrow. You know, let us be the light of Christ in the darkness. You know, let us reflect the life and light and love of Christ. To share our gospel hope. To show gospel love to those who are hurting and helpless. But finally there in verse 9, there is a genuine witness. We are to be genuine witnesses for Christ. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. This is a challenging verse. And I'm going to give you a literal translation as best I can. You know, when Bibles say, well, this is a literal translation of the Bible, uh, we would be confused with a literal translation, but I'll do it for this one verse. The word was is actually the first word. Put there first in an, what's called an emphatic position. And so it would read as follows. Was the light, the true, which enlightens, present tense, which enlightens all men coming again, present tense, coming into the world or the cosmos. So one more time, was the light the true which enlightens all men coming into the world? And and two critical truths, two comforts here in closing. The two critical truths are these. First, the certainty of Christ coming into his cosmos into his world the secondly is the certainty of Christ's character as the true light that was coming into the world and that word for world speaks of lost sinners in rebellion against God God was entering God in Christ was entering enemy territory but Christ was the truth the true light no, there, there is a false light. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14 tells us, For Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And that's why John guards this truth by saying, Jesus is the true light, the genuine light. Uh, we could almost say here, there is no other light apart from Christ. And you'll see that word true throughout John. Jesus is the true bread. He is the true vine. So we have these truths about Christ, but where does the comfort come from? This true light enlightens, illumines, present tense. You know, that, that light was not just a, a solar flare that came just for that moment in time at Bethlehem and then dissipated you know that the the light of christ is still shining today 
in his children, those who are trusting in Christ. You know, that's an ongoing hope for us as Christians. And the second comfort is this. The light of Christ illumines all men. It illumines, enlightens everyone. It's the way the English standard puts it. But literally all men, all people without regard to race, nationality, country of origin, And finally, a a comfort, actually a third comfort. He was coming into the world. You know, Jesus Christ still enters the life of his children. He still comes to those who call upon his name in saving faith. G. Campbell Morgan put it this way, the light was now coming into the world. A new beginning was being made. A new creation was taking place. So along with these truths, these comforts, what's finally the call to action? Like John, you and I need to be burning and shining lamps for Christ. It's always tempting for us to hide our light under a bushel. You know, in our politically correct world, just I'll keep quiet about it. No. Don't do that. You know, here we are to be those burning lamps for Christ. That's how Jesus himself described John. But secondly, You know, God still sends us to bear witness about Christ the light. And here's where the rubber meets the road. A few suggestions. You know, how can we be Christ's light even this week? You know, invite an unsafe friend to a church service. Doesn't even have to be a church service here, but a, a service where the gospel will be proclaimed and Christ exalted. Secondly, share a verse of scripture with a struggling friend or family member. Give them a gospel of John. Say, I'll read it through with you. We can talk about it together. We can study it together. Pray for the salvation of one who does not know Christ. The true light and saving love of Christ. May we all be radiant witnesses of Christ, our gracious Redeemer. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you for Christ, the true light, which enlightens all men and women and children. Thank you for shining that light of Christ into our dark hearts, bringing us to saving faith in Christ. But Lord God, we pray that you would be pleased to use us to be your light in a dark world, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, with dear family members who do not know Christ. Lord, be pleased to use us as your radiant gospel witnesses. By your grace and for your glory, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.